Good Risings. I'm Jackie. And I'm Brian. And this is Grateful Grains. Welcome back. As you may recall, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. We're getting our month on mental well-being started by re-exploring the five most common types of anxiety. We got it started Monday with social anxiety. Yesterday, we talked relational. Today, it's panic. We want to begin by reiterating that you're not alone if you struggle with anxiety, or panic for that matter. In fact, in 2020, the Anxiety and Depression Association of America estimated that 6 million Americans struggle with anxiety-induced panic. Panic can present as many things. It can be a racing heartbeat, an extreme wave of dizziness, our minds may go blank, we may struggle to form sentences, we may have blurry vision, we might feel like we can't breathe, we may feel nauseous, we may have an upset stomach, we might have jelly legs or experience uncontrollable shaking, or we may have hot or cold flashes. It can be any of those things and it can be all of those things. It's scary, but it's also super frustrating. Feeling that we have no control over our bodies, being entirely unsure whether we can trust ourselves not to have an attack in random, totally safe situations, and that fear often makes it worse. Obsessing over the how, the when, and the why of the next attack often leads to another attack. That fear feeds the cycle. We innately try to fight them off by trying to control the symptoms, trying to control our thoughts, or trying to control our bodies. A lot of people continue to engage in that cycle of fear and fighting because they haven't accepted the fact that it really cannot be controlled. And then once someone does accept that, once they realize the panic attacks happen regardless and sometimes because of our fight against them, they potentially start avoiding places or situations they believe might trigger an event, thereby giving their panic even more power. At that point, the attacks are controlling our lives. And that's a very common headspace when dealing with anxiety-induced panic. Understanding what's happening in our bodies on a chemical level can be a powerful bit of information. So all those symptoms we mentioned earlier, the racing heartbeat, the shaking, the inability to form a sentence, the uncontrollable breath, those are a result of our bodies entering fight or flight. As you may know, this is a result of our evolution. What's happening here is that our subconscious minds are perceiving a threat and preparing our bodies for the forthcoming struggle to survive. Our bodies are flooded with adrenaline, and that's when the panic hits. That numbness is so we don't feel pain. The quick breath is to increase oxygen intake. The physical symptoms are preparing us to literally physically fight or to escape, which, by the way, is why we often consider running out of the room when a panic attack is unfolding. One of my favorite somatic practitioners, Sarah Baldwin, explains that our thoughts are a result of where we are in our nervous system. The more we listen to our thoughts, the more they increase the activation of the state that we're in. So instead of battling our thoughts, we want to notice them and turn toward regulation. The more we regulate, the more the activating thoughts go away and we build new neural pathways for thoughts based in ventral presence. So regulation during a panic attack looks like this. We notice what's taking place. We understand that it's the chemical response responsible for the very survival and success of our species. That's pretty cool, so we recognize that. Then we turn toward the present moment. We acknowledge where we are is safe. We recognize the people we're with are safe and we bring awareness to our breath. We breathe deeply, and consistently. 
And I know safety is a vague word here because we may very well feel that if we experience a panic attack during an important work meeting, we may get fired. An attack can also feel super embarrassing. Maybe we're concerned the people we're with may no longer like us if we experience an attack in front of them. The definition of safety here is that we're not in mortal danger. It is not life or death. And that's what we're helping our bodies understand. There's a lot of work that can be done outside of the actual moment a panic attack is happening. And it's the same stuff we've been mentioning all week. Cognitive behavioral therapy with a licensed practitioner is often necessary. Sometimes prescribed medication is too. Meditation, cultivating awareness, grounding, acupuncture, exercise, supplementation, and a diet low in sugar, alcohol, and caffeine can be incredibly helpful as well. All those things in combination are even better. If you're in immediate need, you can reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. We also know that treatment can often feel expensive or out of reach, but publicly funded programs are available in most places. If you're in the U.S. and struggling financially, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration will help you find low-cost or no-cost treatment. You can call them at 1-800-622-HELP. That's 1-800-622-4357. Thanks so much for joining us on Grateful Grains. You can find us on Instagram at Good Risings, or you can find me at B McMuffin. And you can find me at Jacqueline M. Wood underscore one. We'll be back again tomorrow for day four of our week discussing anxiety. Until then, remember, a better tomorrow starts with today. Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio.